following podcast features discussions of an adult nature. Listener discretion is probably a good idea. Don't like if your mom's in the room or stuff like just I, you know, no one should listen to this. We got but I just I why are you still listening? Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Coming and Other Stuff You Should Know. I am your favorite Gunkle Forrest. Um, Lauren got caught up at work, so she is not going to be with us today, but she does send her love to everybody. But what I thought would be a good idea is we've been talking a lot with performers, so people who are in front of the camera, and we've had David Romero of Natural Born Breeders um, behind the camera. But I want to talk to a legend in my eyes, someone who definitely deserves a lot of, lot more credit than I think he gets, um, especially because he has been rising in the world of TikTok, and I think it's only important that we speak <laughs> to that. Oh, so please welcome to the show the one, the only, Jason Mark. Jason, welcome Hello. to Coming Other Stuff You Should Know. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank it's you. Been, uh, you have no idea like how I, I'm excited. Like This conversation, by the way, We've been trying to make this happen for some time. Oh, for ages, so, yeah. Uh, thank God. I'm glad we were able to make this mm -hmm. work. I think once I discovered discovered you, I think, on Twitter and realizing yes. like, oh, you do some shit. And I'm like, I'm here for that. Yeah. And then um, just watching, just following on social media and then realizing like your TikTok had been growing so big and just getting which, to talk. Which, and then, yeah, like, kind of yeah. shocked me. Um, well, and we will get to that. That do right. not work. <laughs> There's some questions I have on that. But so... <laughs> I'm kind of curious, like, um, tell us, how did you get here? What do you do? I'm oh, just I still, to get into it. People ask me this all the time, and it's just, it's a really weird story that's not even really that exciting. I was in a pop band in the 90s in Canada. Mm. Uh, we were called Plastic Palace People. We had sort of a, one pretty sizable indie hit that got played on like the independent college radios in the Toronto area called I Could Record You. And we were one of those bands that the major labels were never gonna sign because we were just a little mm -hmm. too weird, but we had this huge audience that would show up to our shows. So the major labels would hire us to remix their new artists, and then they would get us to open for them when they were playing their shows. So our mm -hmm. audience would show up to see us and then they would hopefully stick around to see the new bands that were signed to the majors. And I remember talking to one of the guys from, oh God, I, I don't even remember which band it was. And I, I, you know, they had, they had their one album and they had their sort of one medium sized hit and their one minor radio thing. And I was, I, I asked him, like, did you guys make any money from that? And he looked at me, he goes, you made more money from our career than we did. <laughs> it was like, yeah, because uh -huh. we got, they would, they would pay us to open for them and they would pay us to do the remixes and all of that. And yeah, it, it, the music industry, this was the Canadian music industry. You just get fucked over. You know, you wind up paying for literally everything. everything. And yeah, and, and we sort of sat back and watched this. But the reason that I bring that up is that we we had this big audiovisual presentation, right? We were electronic, mm -hmm. so we had slides and we had lasers and we had lights and we had, you know, all sorts of fun stuff. And I was mm -hmm. I was wrapped in tracer light that would speed up as the as the stuff. It, we, it was quite a show wow. that we had. Very avant-garde, it sounds like. It was pretty. It was pretty. Especially considering we did it on a on an absolute shoestring budget. Like I, uh -huh. you know, we just yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. 
But I wound up doing a lot of the video projections that were on us. And, mm -hmm. and I, I did study film at York. I also designed our website. So, okay. right. So, and that was back in the days when if you wanted a website, you had to hand code HTML, right? Like there was no Dreamweaver. There was no web, mm -hmm. you know, creation tools. Yeah. So I knew how to do HTML. Okay. Fast forward a few years later, I have not, I'm not been in the band. I was actually working a corporate purchasing job mm -hmm. and that was awful. Uh -huh. And I wound up talking with a guy who worked in the same or lived in the same building as me. Mm -hmm. And he said he was looking for somebody who could hand code HTML. Okay. And he said, I work for a porn site. And this was, uh, this was Carl from Bedfellow. And, okay. and I was like, well, I know how to do that. So he hired me and that was my first industry job. And I, I edited video for him for a very short period. And, you know, I was, I worked for him for about a year and a half and that was, that was great. I loved it. It was a whole lot of fun. And then my husband, he and I have been together for oh, almost 29 years now. It'll be 29 wow. years in April. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? When we met, I had abs and hair and <laughs> options. The times have changed, man. I was the times young have and changed. Finished, cute and had, yeah. Anyway, so um, <laughs> we, we uh, he he wound up getting offered a job in Los Angeles, and we had always dreamed of moving down. Mm -hmm. And so I wound up leaving there and trying to find a job, and I wound up landing a job pretty quickly with Fratmen in Ooh, okay. in Los Angeles. So I was part mm -hmm. of the Fratmen team. I was one of the guys that built Fratpad with. Uh, with John and Leo, mm -hmm. and we we really felt like we were the insurgents, right? You know, when okay. we for, when we first showed up to porn conventions in two thousand and five, that was back when the big DVD companies really kind of looked down on the internet people, right? Mm, so yeah. you would show up, and I won't name any names because I, I I'm not like that, but mm -hmm. yeah, there were a few people who were pretty down on. The inner oh you're one of the internet guys you know and they were like well do you have DVDs yeah yeah we do we do single scene DVDs and they're like oh okay right it was that sort of thing right they were yeah. kind of gatekeepy kind of gatekeep yeah that's actually a good term and I don't I think that part of them were kind of threatened by it but most of them were just they just didn't take us very seriously and mm -hmm. back in those days nobody took the internet very seriously. Right. Oh, yeah. It was still As expect, anything. Anything new tends to be yeah. like, are you sure? And then watch it explode into right. becoming every day. And listen, that was the year that YouTube launched. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was, you know, Napster was was and LimeWire were finally kind of going away. And oh, iTunes had finally taken over mm -hmm. and and the Internet was finally starting to turn a profit. You yeah. know, the next year when we went back to those conventions, Oh yeah, the people from the DVD companies were like, "Hey, Jason, sit down. We need to ask you some questions. We need to pick your brains about something." They started realizing where the good money could be. Exactly. They started realizing <laughs> where it was all going, and I think in 2008 I went to one of the conventions and one of the big studios took me out to dinner and they offered me a job and I actually turned them wow. down. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah, cuz I was having too much fun at Fratpad and I I didn't want to leave there yeah and then jake cruz remember jake cruz oh jake Cruz. Yeah. yes he and i had been friends for a while and he finally said listen i'll tell you what um i'm launching a new site i'll teach you how to direct if you run my 
affiliate program. And so I just was like, sure. Yeah. yeah. And that, that wound up being Coxerman was what he was doing. Oh, and okay. so, yeah, so I learned, I pretty much learned how to do it there live on the floor. So there you go. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's, I mean, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see, to think too, that there are some people who are listening to this show who would not, who would not have thought that like doing porn on the internet would be like a accepted thing, you know, cause you know, for the longest time it had been VHS, DVD, and then, you know, magazine and stuff, you know? So it's, so it's very interesting mm-hmm. to like hear that. Like, I mean, I was part of, I mean, I'm on the lower end of millennial, but like, I definitely remember like AIM, MySpace, mm-hmm. like the, that, the big, kind of the birth of social media. So it was I, very fascinating to see I'm that. such an old Gen Xer. I'm almost a boomer. So yeah. <laughs> you just missed it. By you four years, it. by four years. Oh my God. Yeah. My husband so, is a boomer. My husband's a boomer. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. There's, there must be some very interesting conversations in the, the house. Not really, no, because okay. we're so we're close enough in age mm-hmm. that our experiences weren't that much different. Okay, interesting. So, I mean, so what what has been like the best things about working in porn and having been in it so long? Like, what keeps you in in it for so long? I have no idea. I I love the industry. Okay, and I've always loved filmmaking. I've always loved taking pictures. I've always loved a camera and a video recorder and a film projector and mm-hmm. creating visual things. I mean, going back to my days in, in, you know, when I was a pop musician and going back to my days when I was in film school and mm-hmm. even when I was in high school and I was the photographer for the yearbook, right? Like I'm, I've yeah. always been that guy with the camera. You know, the fact that I actually get to make a new movie every two or three weeks is, is pretty exciting. I've got a really foul mouth and a really sick sense of humor. So I would not last very long if I got a job at Warner Brothers or Universal or mm-hmm. I don't yet, you know, the women's television network. Like I would get fired so fast, you know, <laughs> it would be, Same. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I would be just a lawsuit waiting to happen. I'm sure I would, <laughs> I would make some joke that I thought was really funny that nobody mm-hmm. else found funny. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it would be that bad, but you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, because like I, I work for a company. I've been furloughed from said company for at least a year now because, you know, wow. not like there's a pandemic or anything happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like we haven't all been sitting around in our apartments and houses right? for a year. And what's yeah. even actually funny story is I actually about two weeks before everything shut down, when I was told my company was going to be shutting down for a little bit, I moved into the, the apartment you see now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, so to be living in this one apartment with three other gay guys has been very interesting. <laughs> I can imagine. It's, yeah. it's not too bad, it's, but you know, so actually paint me uh, an idea of exactly how does in timeline, how does a shoot work for you? Like just one shoot, how does that work? Oh God. I mean, the thing is, is that there's no such thing as one shoot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You always have two in the pipeline, one in production and two in post-production. Okay. Right. So, you know, you've got one that you're thinking about saying, well, in two months, let's do one in this city and let's make it this themed. Okay. So who would we have for that? Okay. So how about this guy? Oh, that'll be good. Okay. Well, how about that guy? Yeah, that'll work. All right, great. And then that that starts taking shape and, and one person is like, hey, why don't you write a script? Okay. Well, why don't you come up with this? 
And then they'll be like, okay, and then the one that we were talking about last month that we're shooting in three weeks, what's going on with that? Do we have the cast lined up for that one? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so you're doing this and we're doing and we've got the location. All right, great. And so such a all right. Well, we're about to start rolling in this scene. So we're shooting that. And then while you're in the middle of it, you're getting a phone call from the editor saying, Hey, I need the other footage or this happens in this thing and then you go, oh, just leave that and I'll fix that. Leave, you know, send me the project file and I'll fix that or something, okay. right? And then we're still, you know, releasing the movie that we did, you know, two months ago. Mm-hmm. It's finally coming out. So you're now writing descriptions and you're doing press interviews and you're promoting that. So it's, you know, I mean, that's that's really it. It's, it's your... Sometimes you do kind of feel like a bit of a hamster on a wheel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's that. I mean, but you've depending on the size of the studio. I mean, I've worked for some studios where you know, there's a really small crew mm-hmm. and a really small team and you've got one guy who's making the phone calls and getting the models there and you've got another guy who's setting stuff up and shooting it and then you've got another person who's editing and sometimes that's all the same two people i mean you know at fratman it was a really small operation it was yeah yeah it was not a big team that we had so we were shooting it and i was editing and you know mastering dvds and driving guys to the airport and you know taking them grocery shopping and and oh uh, giving them makeovers because a lot of those guys would show up you know these are 21 18 year olds sometimes straight guys they had no fashion sense they had no you know they would show up with bad hair and ill-fitting clothes and i would have to take them out and give them the whole full on what not to wear makeover interesting right and anyone who knows what i look like is probably just going (laughs) what but yeah I had an eye for it, but I, you know, I still walk around in loose fitting black and everything. And mm-hmm. So, see, I mean, you definitely give off like kind of like biker daddy, like kind of vibe, which I think is still what people I, vibe I for. I am a, I am a biker, so yeah. And I knew, and I, I knew that, so I figured. But right. also, like, it's, I feel like it suits you the best, like that, like the look itself definitely suits you. So yeah, yeah, I feel that. So then, okay, so. What it, what are your key things when it comes to shooting a scene? Like, what are some of your key things when it comes to briefing the the models and exactly what they're gonna do during a shoot and then like afterwards? Like, what are there any things that you tend to want to do? What we do is we'll come up with a, a the tone of the scene that we want. Mm-hmm. Right? Do we want this one to be lighthearted? Do we want this one to be funny? Do we want this one to be really romantic? Do we want this one to be really rough? Do we want this one to be kind of dark and scary? Mm-hmm. Right? And we'll usually cast with that in mind, mm-hmm. right? And then we'll sit down with our performers and sort of explain to them what we want mm-hmm. from them, okay. right? And, and, and that kind of thing. We'll make sure that the, the clothing is right. We'll make sure that our set is right. Mm-hmm. And listen, sometimes you're dressing the set five minutes before you roll, yeah. right? You set the cameras up, you get everything lit, you've got everything all set up and you look through your lens and you go, this looks awful. I need more on the walls. I need more on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, this is starting to look like we're in a motel six. That's not going to work. So, you know, <laughs> which sometimes I mean, you do shooting, that. That's fine. Listen, I worked on Tony DeMarco's movie, no tell motel, which looked kind of like psycho. Like it looked sort of like the Bates hotel. Okay. That's, and that was a set and people, people were asking me, they were like, where, what hotel were you shooting? And I'm like, that, that was a set. And it looks, amazing the team that they have Mm -hmm. at at falcon are just incredible 
and can make a set out of anything that you will absolutely believe. Well, that was fascinating. That was also fascinating to learn because I knew that some studios used to have like sets that they would use because I would see them in a bunch of like the same set in different Mm -hmm. scenes with different people. But like, perfect example, Kink went from one place or the armory in San Francisco to somewhere in, I think it was Vegas now. So... I think so. I've never worked for Kink, full disclosure. Yeah. So I really don't know. Okay. Um, I, I I don't know what their situation is. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that Titan, we did have a huge, unbelievably amazing, well-equipped soundstage uh-huh. studio, and all of the all of the stuff that you would need to build sets. Okay. And some of those sets you would just never believe were sets mm-hmm. because they looked so amazing. Real, and which some is good. of them. Yeah, exactly. Jake Cruz, we built sets. Uh-huh. We didn't have we didn't have much money. You know, we had a really thin mm-hmm. budget there. Yeah. So you know, sometimes I was like, you know, bringing furniture and stuff mm-hmm. from home. That happened a lot. We're like, <laughs> I want this to look like a hippie pad. So I would just you know go to the Goodwill and buy a whole bunch of yeah. cool stuff, and then I just bring it back to the Goodwill and and donate it back to them just get here take it back you know so do so i'm assuming do studios have studios transitioned away from having a a, like a sound stage or they still have them i mean a lot of them still have them ducati we ducati we have one okay and a lot of the uh movies that that uh we've shot with ducati which is i'm part of the ducati team now with trenton and trenton me and anthony duran okay and we've we've actually got you know we've got set builders we've got you know marketing one guy that does all of their wardrobe and makeup and hair Mm -hmm. and, and stuff we've got a really incredible team but we actually have a full film studio Mm -hmm. that we shoot at and we're set up to shoot mainstream films and we're actually going to start doing those this year oh wow the plan was to do them last year and then you know for some reason nobody wanted to shoot last that's so weird that's what a weird thought i don't know yeah i spent (laughs) a lot god when that started i was actually living in a uh have you been watching the cecil hotel thing uh yes okay so i lived next to the cecil hotel oh (laughs) yeah I like right next to the Cecil Hotel. I lived at what's called the PE Lofts. Okay. And it's it's an old, it was an old train station. So okay. I had this gigantic, um, you've seen uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. Okay, so his office actually took place, w- was shot in there. So that's what my apartment looked like. Oh, wow. Was this big, huge, gigantic room with the glass door and and all of that like that's what it looked like wow yeah with the big 15 foot ceilings it was you know it was about the size of a football field it was amazing that's where that's where i was living when the pandemic hit and yeah so what motivated you to move to palm springs then the pandemic oh, honestly okay. downtown went all of the stores and all of the restaurants and all of the businesses and all of the bars and coffee shops and everything had to shut down mm-hmm. downtown became very unsafe uh-huh. it was it was filthy. I took the dogs out for a walk one night and there was just needles and human waste and garbage everywhere. I, I hesitate to say it because I don't want to sound like one of these like gentrifiers going, oh my God, there's poor people. Uh-huh. That wasn't it at all. Uh-huh. It was really just that that problem, you know, has been brewing for so long in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and the city is is trying to address it. But th- that problem has grown past anyone's ability to really seriously do much. Yeah. And the pandemic made it so much worse. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I hope that, you know, that they're they're able to help those people. Mm-hmm. But it, it got to the point where I couldn't walk my dogs out on the street. I couldn't leave my apartment. It was I just didn't feel safe, really. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I was 
paying just like an incredible premium to live there. Mm -hmm. And that was great when, you know, my favorite restaurant was across the street and then the red line was right there and all these great things. And then we just felt like prisoners in, in this loft and we stuck it out for a while and then came and visited a couple of friends here. And I just felt all of the stress pouring out. And I was like, Mm. I never want to leave here. My husband just said, let's just find a place out here. And we were playing, we were, we had been planning on doing it anyway. So it's not like I just went, Oh fuck Los Angeles. We had been planning on moving out here around now, like actually early in January. Mm -hmm. So we really just sped that up by about five months. Wow. Really. You know, we just, yeah. So it's not like it, it's, it's not like, I don't want to come across as this sort of asshole of going, Oh, I don't be, I don't want to be around those people. No, that wasn't it at all. I mean, we had planned on moving out here because Ducati is out here. Yeah. Right. And I was working from home. My husband was mostly working from home. So we're, we were able to live just about anywhere. And we had wanted to move out here for a while. And we just decided, you know, I think the universe is telling us to to do it now. Because it seems like too, that like a lot of porn would usually be like on the opposite side of like Hollywood on the other side of the hill. Mm-hmm. But it seems yeah, like all up in Chatsworth. Yeah. Oh, but it seems like now that they're starting to leave that area and go into different places. Well, but no, if they're not starting to, you, you know, you know what happened? No, tell me. B. Oh, so yeah, measure. Yeah, Measure B was a very ill-conceived idea pushed by the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, reportedly, mm. I, this is my understanding, that all porn shot in LA County must use condoms. Yes. 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 And so as soon as that passed, everybody either just went underground and were shooting, you know, in their backyard or were shooting, you know, or they just left. And mm-hmm. it all moved out to the Inland Empire mm-hmm. or Palm here Springs. in Palm Springs. Yeah. It moved to Las Vegas. It moved to San Francisco. It moved to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Everybody just left. Yeah. And it's funny because I'll talk to somebody who will say, oh, and all that porn in Chatsworth. And I'm like, dude, they haven't shot porn in Chatsworth for like 10 years. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I yeah. remember that because I actually voted. Or not much. Any. I'm sure there's some, but yeah, yeah very little. Because I actually remember that I because I actually was. I was able to vote when that measure came up and I remember right. voting no. And cause the idea was that like, Oh, you have to wear, you have to like wear condoms and everything. And I was like, but like, and some people were definitely very in up in arms. I'm like, I'm sorry. I am a porn connoisseur. You're all welcome. I was like, but the, every, all performers get tested and with mm-hmm. a really rigorous testing. So, oh, yeah. so the fact that you're, you're now asking them to do, they have to wear condoms is kind of bullshit. And I'm like, you can do better than that. And let's come on. That's bullshit. No, I had been told, and I don't know how much truth there is to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't be going on the internet and saying, this is what Jason said. This mm-hmm. is just, Jason said this the way it was. I don't know if this is true, mm-hmm. but I had heard that because all of the HIV medications and prep and all of this were doing so amazingly well Mm -hmm. people were now undetectable infection rates were dropping you know and and people were were finally healthy and all this sort of thing Mm -hmm. that the aids healthcare foundation and i again i don't know if this is true this Mm -hmm. is sort of like the story out there being told they were looking for a new revenue stream and they thought well if we make everybody wear condoms and porn then we can be the porn inspectors or like i don't know if that's true i don't know but that's weird it would it it 
might have made i don't know who knows but also too like there there are a lot of people who do like the fantasy of bareback and you know so it's like and there's Mm -hmm. performers who do prefer it and that's totally fine that i just think it was kind of dumb to now force it on them you know right it's it's like your body your choice type of thing of like if you're gonna if you want to have sex and you want to you want to shoot porn and you want to do a bareback scene then then just fucking do it you know like that's kind of my thought well and listen at the time i was working for titan which was a hardcore condom studio Mm -hmm. right yeah they never produced bareback and they were never going to Mm -hmm. and it was it was funny we started doing our still pictures without condoms but there was no actual penetration Uh right so they were all just posed Mm -hmm. and that created a big sensation because people thought that titan had gone bareback and then somebody had heard a rumor that titan had begun to shoot bareback movies so that hit the blogs and everyone was like, Titan shooting bareback movies. And I was like, okay, I can promise you that Titan is not shooting bareback movies because all of Titan's production gear is literally stored in my garage. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't get used unless I'm on set. And (laughs) And it's not happening. (laughs) And it's not happening. Uh And it's never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It never, and they never did. So there you go. But we, we started joking in about 2017 that, you know, 10 years before bareback was like this dark edgy kind of dangerous outrageous shocking thing Mm -hmm. and by 2017 bareback was so wholesome that fucking sean cody was doing it you know like it was just like you know so yeah but i think too also because of the availability of prep and stuff like that definitely Mm -hmm. didn't hurt that and made it become almost commonplace to see scenes that just were shot bareback and Mm -hmm. it's it's you know it's and and again too it's i think it's just based on someone's preference you know if you want to shoot Mm -hmm. a scene say hey could we could we use a condom yeah sure no big deal Mm -hmm. but you know also too it depends on the studio that you're working for if you know for a fact that the studio tends to shoot you know bareback and you want to wear a condom, you might want to find another studio to work with or even work with that studio to see what they what they would be okay with doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would just at least yeah, make sense to it me. Was, it was a weird transition because I think a lot of the audience and even a lot of the performers were there before the studios were willing to mm-hmm. cross that line. So it, it was definitely a weird time. And I, I mean, that the big, huge changeover happened during the period that I had left the porn industry Mm. and became an HIV health educator. And a a lot of people don't know that. I actually dropped out of the porn industry for about a year and a half. And I was working as an HIV health educator for a while, which was kind of rewarding, but I got pretty disillusioned pretty fast with the nonprofit world. Mm. You know, I, I thought it would be great to go in and help people and i realized that a lot of it wound up being more about checking boxes Mm. on forms that the county had kind of put together using 10 year old data you know like nothing made sense anymore Mm -hmm. and again i do really well in super respectable um, spaces cubicle spaces yeah and i've told a few stories about people that i met there on my tiktok and anyway that was that was a failed experiment i tried to be a respectable person and and the universe went yeah and that was the end of that yeah and then i i actually took a job working as a cashier believe it or not 
making minimum wage at a record store because I'm a crazy vinyl collector. Yeah, if you right? guys haven't seen his TikTok, please do. He, his I, collection I, my is vinyl collection, amazing. It's huge, but it's, it's kind of funny because yeah, I was working at this record store for a long time. And I mean, a long time, like, you know, eight months or something. Mm-hmm. And it was a regular thing where people would come into the store and look at me and go, are you, are you, um, are, never mind. And I'd be like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and on my first day, one of the staff members, one of the guys looked at me and he goes, I feel like I know you from somewhere. And I just went, oh dear. Oh no. And yeah. And, and like a week later he came up to me and he was like, I think I figured out where I know you from. And I was like, maybe we should talk about it at lunch and not while we're working. And he's like, I was going to say that. But like, <laughs> Then you probably know where you know me from. Yeah. And we don't really need to talk about that. But yeah, within a, within a month, everybody at the store, and it's a pretty big one, knew all about it. And everybody wanted to know about it. And I was, I was probably the one who wanted to talk about it the least. But yeah. yeah. And then one day I got a phone call from Trenton again. Mm-hmm. And he said, listen, I, I need I need a cameraman on my next movie. Are you interested in coming out and helping? And I was like, you know, sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? And I just figured it was going to be a one-off. He needed some help. And, you know, I, I, Trenton and I have known each other for a really long time. I did camera on Trenton's first ever scene. Oh, so, yeah. so how has he changed from the very first scene he shot to now? I mean, I, he doesn't perform anymore. But, oh, okay. I mean, he's gone from a relatively shy soft-spoken very polite and he's still very polite guy and i'm not scared to say this at all i thought i was a pretty good photographer trenton is a fucking amazing photographer yeah he's better than i ever was Mm -hmm. and i i'm just blown away by his photography he's 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 an extremely talented artist and i think most people were surprised to find out that you know, this guy who was a fantastic A-list porn star with this incredible body and he's really handsome and he was a great performer and all of that. Mm-hmm. And his actual talent was behind the camera. And, yeah. you know, the other thing that I was, I wasn't surprised to find this out, but I think a lot of people are, is that he's a pretty incredible businessman. And he managed to keep Ducati in, you know, in the black through an entire year where we weren't working. You know, mm-hmm. he's, yeah, I, I can't, sing his praises enough and not just because I'm business partners with him. Well, also, but I think too, it has something to do with if you know your product and you know how to, mm-hmm. and you know, the audience is going to want it, then yep. you're totally fine. I think the fact too, like he has like a, he has a dildo with fleshlight or flesh Jack and he has a fleshlight mm-hmm. with them. Like there's a money stream there. He has the, the studio that produces content. Like that's, what's going to get people going mm-hmm. in, you know, like when you know your product really well and you know that people are, especially porn, when you have a body that people want, you know how to work, you know how to work it. And then when you center yourself around people who are in business, then I feel like you're kind of set. You already know what you're going to, that you could be able to stay in the black, which I think is super important, especially yeah. in the industry like that. So then I'm kind of more curious is what, is, have you had scenes in which you had to be like, we need to stop because of the way a performer was or the way that the scene was just not working out or anything to that effect? How do you, do you mean like having to just like stop a scene yeah, has there and been, cancel a scene? Yeah, I could be cancel scene or had to be like, you realize that something in that, within the elements of shooting just didn't work. It's really rare. I think I've had to cancel maybe one or two scenes mm-hmm. over 
15 years of doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually when that happens, it's either like a performer is just unable to, to do. And listen, sometimes your body does not cooperate, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's happened, you know, somebody, somebody is sick and they don't know that they're sick yet. So they can't get hard Mm -hmm. or they, you know, they just have no energy or they're just not, you know, and you can tell this is not going to work. Um, that's happened before. Okay. I've had I've had models show up on set clearly not in good enough shape to shoot. Ooh. That's happened a couple of times over the last 15 years. Yeah. And that's a difficult conversation to have, uh-huh. you know, where you actually have to sit down with them and say, I'm not going to be able to shoot this scene mm-hmm. because you are not in the shape that I need you to be in. Yeah. Right. It's a very hard conversation to have, yeah. but it's it's. Yeah. I listen, if this job was easy, everybody would do it. Well, I also imagine too, you know? like when you're working for big name studios that like mm-hmm. if you have to cut the plug on something, that's their money. And I'm assuming that they're gonna be like hella pissed going, What the fuck, dude? And, but you know, having to then work around that and figure, okay, what else can we do? Honestly, that's so that kind of thing is so rare mm-hmm. that you know, it's it's not like it's not like they're not expecting that to happen one in a hundred times or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and usually when that happens, you wind up recasting the scene and shooting it the next day. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you're not, you're not losing anything other than maybe you have to stay an extra day at wherever you are mm-hmm. and you, you know, you, your food budget is a little over or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's that. Okay. So then on the more lighthearted side of things, okay. have you ever had like a, what's a funny moment that you had that like either during shooting, like you just like, there was giggles and you just had to be like, we need to stop for a second because I can't contain my laughter in order to keep this, the good, the good sex going on. So the only time that that ever happened, and I actually did this video on my YouTube, I think where one of the guys, he was supposed to say, why don't you guys both drop your loads in my mouth or something like that. Okay. And right. And so he was, he lay down and they were going to come on his face and he said, why don't you guys both take a dump in my mouth? (laughs) And as soon as he said it, he realized what he said and everybody on set was laughing. And uh, it was back in the Jake Cruz days. So that's probably, Oh gosh, like 12 years ago. Yeah. And I just remember it was like a good solid half hour of everybody just rolling around on the floor laughing. The performer himself, you know, usually whenever a performer fucks up, it's, and I talk with everybody about this, we do not laugh. We do not make them feel bad. Mm -hmm. We do not, like, if he, you know, like, if he's not fully cleaned out and there's a shit stain, Mm -hmm. you you do not react negatively to that. You yeah. never want to make your performer feel bad. Oh, yeah. You never want to embarrass them because you're just going to destroy them. And mm-hmm. and I want this to be a positive experience. But that was so funny. And he was laughing too. Like he, he realized what he said and he realized how funny it was. And so, you know, that it was, it wasn't like we were laughing at him. We were all just laughing at the absurdity of it yeah. all. So that's the only time that I can think when, when the laughing got dad out of it. But listen, we laugh all the time, Yeah, right? You have to, you have to keep it fun. You yeah. have to keep it light. And, and I have a, I mean, you and I know each other well enough that, you know, I've got a really sick sense of humor. Yes. I'm always, I've always got a joke. I've always got something irreverent or mm-hmm. funny or distasteful to mm-hmm. say. And I 
have no filter, so I always say it, oh, and absolutely. it's gotten me. It's gotten me. Well, in especially trouble like a lot when I get a comment of like, I think it was like a tweet. We were talking about something, and you're like, "Be careful there, sir. You're gonna get a dick up the butt." I said, "I'm ready. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, that's that's yeah. That's one of my go tos. Uh, <laughs> but I was gonna say, is that is that important for for models to be is to have those that like moment of like we're here to have, let's we're gonna get naked we're gonna have some fun and yeah. just do it and can, have you ever had had people like models who definitely are not fun and you're like uh, oh sure yeah okay. yeah there's some there are some guys who just do not have a sense of humor about it mm -hmm. and they're really super serious and and if that's the tone that they want on set then that's the tone that they get yeah you know well i imagine too i've heard that there's there has obviously like again don't have to say names or anything but like sometimes even i've seen it like even seeing certain performers that they have this like presence and this attitude about them that is just so like not like very mm -mm, very off-putting in a way where you're like oh this is a weird vibe that i don't know how to feel and I just, I just know, I just want to, do they end up lightening up or like, how do you work with that? Uh, it's, that's again, that's rare. Like mm -hmm. I, there's only one performer that I ever worked with that I truly disliked. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And he went way out of his way to just alienate everybody on set. Mm -hmm. And I think he had somehow gotten it into his mind that if he stormed on set, bossing everybody around acting like a, a real diva, being really rude to the crew, being really bossy in front of his scene partner, that he was going to be taken more seriously, maybe? I don't, I, I never figured out what Ugh. his deal was. Oh, God. But yeah, that was, that was a pretty toxic situation. And I've never seen anybody arrive on set and make a point of walking up to every single crew member so they can be rude to them. It was a really, really weird thing. And we never worked with him again. So, you know, but that's like I say, that's that's one guy out of hundreds, yeah. you know. So then so. so then I so then I kind of curious to ask is what what really at what like what makes a scene for you? Like, what is it about like performers or the type of like type of scene that they're doing that like you're like, that was the magic. Like, that's that shit right there. Like, what goes into that? You know, the magic when you see it. Mm hmm. You know, I, I don't think I can tell you, you know, I'm not an alchemist, but sometimes I accidentally make gold. How's that? Uh, I mean, you know? yeah, that's I mean, I expect nothing less, sir. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, there there are times where you just have the magic happening in front of you. Mm -hmm. And usually you have to work pretty hard to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do. And sometimes, you know, we have to work extra hard. And sometimes you're winding up trying to fixing it in editing. You know, mm -hmm. if this didn't go well or that didn't go well. Um, and, you know, one of the jobs of the director is you need to pull a performance out of your performers. And mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a tug of war. But, um, you know, ultimately, the, the viewers, you want them to enjoy what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes you have to work at it twice as long to get half as good. But absolutely. Something else that I'm very curious about, because we've been talking about this with Daddy Bullbear and Aaron Trainer is the idea of diversity, especially in sex, especially because, mm -hmm. especially with the way that BLM rose last summer and the way that, you know, it brought more awareness to those worlds. Yeah, I, I really hope that it wasn't anything so cynical as seeing BLM demonstrations and saying, hey, let's have 
more diversity in porn. Like, I hope that that conversation didn't really happen, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it probably did. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, I personally have been trying to get more diversity mm-hmm. in porn for years mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, the audience recognizes it and, and I think appreciates it, Yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, I think a lot of the studios are now realizing that that's what the audience wants mm-hmm. and, and that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're, you're seeing a lot more of that yeah. for sure. So then I'm kind of curious to know then is do you in part of obviously if you have like a studio who's reaching out to you that is that has been in the game for quite some time but you are but there you notice that there is a trend of not as much diversity is there a point in saying guys we need to include more people want to see the uni- the diversity and them being like no we don't want to like is is that as much? That's never a conversation I've had. Okay. Yeah, I've I've never I've never had to have that conversation really. I know that it, at Frat Men, that was one of the things that, and I mean, I I had nothing to do with casting that. Like that yeah. was so above my pay grade. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely got call, and that was you know, I mean, that was what sixteen years ago, mm-hmm. and you know, we did try to respond to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Jake Cruz, again, we were, we tried to create that sort of more diverse thing. And I think for the most part, we, at least I, we moved the needle a bit, Yeah, you know, I'd like to think anyway, but Titan was, was definitely a great place where we were, we were able to, and one of the, I mean, the other thing of course, is that the bigger the studio, the higher the budgets, mm-hmm. the higher that they get paid. And therefore, you know, you're, you're able to attract a lot. Yeah. More, more clientele. Yeah. More, well, and more diverse models. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's definitely a thing too. Yeah. I just, I, especially too, like in seeing like how with OnlyFans, like OnlyFans definitely brought people. OnlyFans is the shit. Oh my God. Well, like what I think is so great is that it showed people that because porn had always had this stereotype a mm-hmm. performer, you know, and it was like, you know, always cut and, and you know, th- there was like a, a an archetype of what you would normally see. But then we have OnlyFans where you have a little a guy with a little bit of chub with, and and maybe mm-hmm. not a big dick, but he could still rock a sack. And it's like, that's what we want to see. So that yeah. I, I so I kind of so it leads me almost to hope that major studios see that and go, oh, we are we oh. That's what the people want. We should give them that. That's right. what we need, you know? OnlyFans to me has, has uh, like, I I really love the fact that the performers are are taking part in the in the back end. Yeah. Right? Wow, that was the most unintentional gay porn pun <laughs> I've ever told in my life. And that's, and I'm old. I've that told, is that's totally like, I've told a lot of, yeah. No, what I mean is like, I, I really love the fact that performers are able to create their own content. Mm-hmm. They're able to not just get paid for one day of work, but they're able to actually own that content mm-hmm. and monetize it oh, and yeah. make it and make it pay them for a long time. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, and I mean, it's funny, you know, we're talking about trying to work with a more diverse crowd. And I, I was Jason Vario, who I loved working with mm-hmm. and Damon Voss. Do you remember him? I don't think I do. Okay. So I shot a scene with the two of them mm-hmm. and and it was a huge hit, mm-hmm. right? And Jason Vario bottomed for the first time. It was just, it was a pretty spectacular thing. Yeah. But people were like, can you get those guys back again? And I remember calling up Jason Vario and saying, hey, can we get you down for here? And he's like, listen, 
my OnlyFans is just doing so well. And <laughs> thanks, but no. you know, the big huge pain in the ass of having to truck it all the way down to Palm Springs is Canadian, right? So yeah. he's you know way up in the Great White North there, and he was like, I you know unless it's more scenes and more money and all that sort of thing, and I was like, you know, that's actually pretty cool. He he understood his worth exactly, exactly, yeah. and I I I love the fact that that OnlyFans has taught a lot of the performers their worth because I've had to sit down with a bunch of performers and tell them how much they're worth and not to settle for less. Oh yeah. And that's a, and that's a conversation the studios don't want you having with the guys, but you know, I've, I've always kind of been uncle Jason there that I want to stick up for the, stick up for the performers as much as I can. Well, yeah. You don't want the performer. Well, obviously the performers don't want to feel like they're being that they're, that they're worth so little that you're like, no, yeah. obviously like you're getting laid and we are filming it. Like that. We, you know what I'm listen, saying? And, the porn industry isn't different from any other industry mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah. And I know this because I've worked for a lot of other mm -hmm. industries and every industry is going to pay you as little as they can get away with paying you. Yeah. And that's just what it is. And if you demand more and if you're worth it, then you'll get it. Oh yeah. Right. And, and I remember having this conversation with, uh, oddly enough with, with Leo from frat men mm -hmm. who became Landon and he now runs gay hoopla. Mm, yes. But it was after Titan had shut down and I kind of sat down with him and talked about going and working for him for a bit. And I actually did. Mm -hmm. I, I worked with, with Gay Hoopla for, I like only just basically had to stop doing that recently because oh. my, my other work, I, but I was editing their features for like two and a half years. Wow. Yeah, it was great. And I love that guy. <laughs> it's so fun. But he sat down. He's like, Jason, I've watched you work for all of these other studios and you've made a whole lot of money for other studios. And I don't know if you know your worth. He said, you know, that this, and it was funny to, to be on the other side of that conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and it wasn't much longer after that, that, you know, Trenton called me and said, Hey, let's do this together. And I was like, yeah, Fuck actually yeah. let's, Let's do it, and yeah, and now we've got now we've got trailer trash boys. I just recently started seeing that, and I really yeah. like it because there's a scene Good. that's going out in the world with Jack Dixon. Yeah, do you, well, a bunch. Yeah, well, there's yeah. one in particular where it's him and like his son. It's like a dad son fantasy, and I here's the thing, and I will be completely open and honest about this. I don't know what it is. I think it's unrequited daddy issues, but okay. dad son fantasies are like, hit. it hits the right spot for me. I don't yeah. know. I, well, we call it daddy boy. Yeah, daddy boy. Sorry, my apologies. Daddy boy. Yes. Oh God, the correctness of people sometimes. But uh, you, I was going to say, if I say much more, I'm going to get a call from my lawyer. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's, it, I think it just has something to do with the like, mm -hmm you know, like the power dynamic. And I think it's which, so fascinating. Which scene was it? Was it the, it, there's one that just came out recently with Bo Morgan um, that just came out. I um, don't, I, it's, so here, let me set it up and see if you remember. I probably, knowing you, you probably, you might not remember it, but basically it's. Well, I mean, I shot most of them and edited so pretty there, much all of them. There's so. basically, it's a younger guy who is behind a trailer and he's like looking at Jack. And I think Jack was like, taking a piss or something like that oh you okay know what and yes. then they're fucking outside yeah, that's, yeah i well most of them are outside again it's palm springs we can do oh, that yeah. in january Ooh, you know yeah. uh oh yeah yeah i mean that's that's our set by mm. the way those are sets that's oh shit. that's the yeah okay 
those are those are sets. And people are like, where do you find that junkyard? I'm like, no, we built the junkyard. And we did it really yeah. well. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. Again, like, you know, Trenton is a genius. He saw that raw space and went, I know exactly what I can do with this. That's good. I think I know the one that you're talking about, though. Yeah, where, yeah, Jack is taking a piss and then the other one is is uh, it's, uh, Donnie Argento, is it? I think so. I yeah, think so. Yeah. And that happened. Yeah. But I mean, we've Jack, you know, so the beauty of trailer trash boys is that they've all got characters uh-huh. and we're kind of creating this whole sort of soap opera reality show. Okay. Kind of running joke. And daddy Jack is, is every time there's a new boy, daddy Jack snakes him out and mm-hmm. finds him and takes him out back and teaches him how to take a dick in the butt. Oh yes. I would yeah. love him to teach me how to take a dick in the ass, but unfortunately, I'm a power bottom, and I will just fucking yell at him to fuck me harder. That's well, the that's whole other thing. Pretty, that's his penis is not the beginner's model. It's oh no, it's not. I've I, no, I remember seeing scenes his first scenes it's, and it's realizing like, it's yeah, huge. that's like the size of a billy club. I mean, sorry, that's my Canadian. No, you're good. It's, <laughs> it's big. It's huge. It's, but yeah, the first time I saw it, and I was like, oh my god. So yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I'm gonna t- okay, so I'm gonna describe a scene. I will okay. I will leave out names. I will get rid of right. I will block out everything because it actually leads into a conversation that I think is very important because I want kind of your perspective on, on everything. Right. So there is a scene that I originally saw on a porn site, um, like on one of the little square ads, I think it was like Pornhub or something, where it's like over over exaggerated reactions and shit and it was between and do you have an idea of uh, which one i'm talking about no i've worked with them both but never at the same time so basically the setup is was was it like an electrician or a handyman or something driving to work and was like a navy seaman or navy seaman coming back home and he's trying to hitch a ride and he basically just his fat ass just goes right through the fucking window of this of this truck and he just like grabs his dick and starts sucking it. And then he goes, you know what? Fuck this. We're going back to my place and I'm going to fuck you. And they end up they end up in a shower and then another one is in their living room in a in a couch. So the reason why I bring this up is because someone we had. Oh, I think it was I think I was telling on Twitter that I loved the scene. The scene is hot. It's very great. And it's. Ooh, it's got like the fire and I love it. And I find out from actually both and they start tweeting me in this big ass thread that the scene itself was great. It was the behind the scenes that was a bit of an issue where whoever was directing them happened to just was it definitely got to a point where actually had had to pause for a while because of how bad it got. That's so that's the setup. My question. Okay. Well, how bad what got like the director was being an asshole or the the director or- was being an asshole and was asking of them specifically to go more than what he was really wanted to. Okay. And being very like very forceful and very aggressive. So does something like that how often does something like that happen? On my sets, never. Never. Uh, but have you heard of stuff like that happening? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it that has to be far and few li- between, right? Listen, I you know, and yeah, every so often you'll hear a horror story mm-hmm. about, you know, this particular site or that particular site or this director. And, you know, I, 
if you hear one story, mm-hmm. I just kind of go, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, when you start hearing enough stories that a pattern starts forming, yeah. you know, yeah, I, 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 I'm not quite sure what the question is. I was trying to say like, if, if that is a, obviously like how far and few between is that? And if it happens, like how do you guys I mean, you'd really have it. to ask the, perf- you'd yeah. have to ask the performers that uh-huh. I don't really, I don't know. I mean, yeah. obviously if I, you know, I, oh God, I hope no performers think I'm an asshole. I, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, what, 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 what are the performers say? What? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, no. So it's just, you know, it's always something that like, you uh, that, you know, there was always a perception, especially like in like maybe the dirty seventies or something like that, where it was very, I'm not that old. I wasn't talking about you. Oh, okay. Well, I asked you what other people were thinking. I was no, like, well, you were an asshole no, no, in the no, 70s. No, Dude, no, I was 10 in the 70s. <laughs> I wasn't even a thought at that point. But I think the the question I have is, is like, people always have this perception of porn being, or like porn stars in the porn industry in general is very skeezy. So, so I, and I think I know where you're going with that. Every single time I see a porn shoot being depicted in a mainstream movie yeah they always get it wrong mm-hmm. the performers are douchebags the director is an asshole mm-hmm. everybody's really half-assing it everybody's really rude there's you know everyone's on drugs and it's, and it's like they never get it right yeah and you know I, one of my friends actually did a like a comic book and he set a porn scene and he's like oh i was thinking of you while i did that i'm like god i hope you don't think i act like that like oh my god yeah, it's it's weird. And every so often, like somebody will write a porn scene mm. into like a, a play or a mainstream script that they're doing. And they'll ask me to read it and go, you know, oh, how accurate is this? And I'm like, not even a little bit. Yeah. Like, I know what do you I everybody honestly on all the sets that I've worked on just about mm. everybody gets along really well. Yeah. Listen, I'm still my my Titan men crew. They're still brothers. I mean, I I was texting with my Titan crew yesterday, mm-hmm. right? We haven't worked together for almost four years, and we're still, you know, they're still family. Mm-hmm. I'm st- like Titan, the owners of Titan. I'm still buddies with them. I mean, I still work for Titan, but yeah. you're you still know, connected. I, I, I'm still, yeah, absolutely. And performers that I haven't worked with for years sometimes will reach out and go, Hey, I saw you on this, or, you know, I was looking at TikTok and your video came up and, <laughs> oh my God, I miss you so much. And, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Dirk Caber hasn't worked for quite a while, hmm. but, you know, he and I are like kind of, I, I don't want to say he's my best friend, but he's, very, he's very good friend. There's, you know, he's featured in a couple TikToks. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he, he, yes. Oh, by name only. Um, but, uh, yeah, I keep, I keep saying no like, wasn't he in a video he was in a video you guys were on a road oh, yeah. trip oh in the car once yes oh in the car once yes yes see i i know my i know my content when i you see know it. and i feel kind of guilty because those were actually shot as youtube videos and then i purposed them as tiktok and listen works. i joined tiktok because i was locked inside my fucking loft in downtown los angeles for months mm-hmm. and i needed something to do other than try to have conversations with my dog yeah right like i so i just started repurposing old content on a tiktok as as just like i mean it was just fun for me and then you know i started enjoying creating stuff for for it yeah so that was actually gonna you you just transitioned right into that fucking topic like oh sorry well so 
what have you been surprised by now that you've been on TikTok and you have such a huge following that knows you direct porn? What like what has surprised you about it? Nothing other than the fact that like I people in their 20s are, you know, sending me messages calling me daddy. That's not something I ever would have expected. <laughs> you you fit you, you fit know. the description pretty well, so I'm not gonna Well, lie. until they see me in real life and then they start calling me Frodo. Uh, or, or 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 Gimli or something like that. Oh, I'm short. I'm real Gimli. short. But, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of into the dwarfs. But anyway, yeah. the Lord of the Rings dwarfs, I should say. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I I do not want to fetishize little people. That that would be in poor taste. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But honestly, the questions that I get asked on TikTok are the same questions that I get asked. You know, Anywhere when I'm else. at a when I'm at a polite dinner party and I don't want to talk about what I do for a living, uh -huh. but it comes up and then everyone's like, so how much does a fluffer make? And then, then you know, oh. and I, I, uh, we were talking to Dallas uh, about that. And the joke yeah, was, is I, like, I, I actually, yeah, well, I listened, I listened to that one and I listened to him say, there's no fluffers in porn. I know you would be amazed how many people will angrily insist mm -hmm. that there are fluffers in porn. And somebody once showed me a behind the scenes video. It was Dario Beck and I forget who his scene partner was now. And the scene partner was helping him out while I was taking his stills. And the guys, well, who's that? And I was like, okay, so first of all, you realize that the photographer is me. Right. And they went, oh, wow, that's cool. So, he goes, so, you know, you had a fluffer. I'm like, no, that's literally his scene partner. That's, <laughs> That's not a fluffer. That's not, but you know, you, people get that in their mind and mm. they, yeah, but there you go. But yeah, people, people ask kind of the same questions. One of the things that I am most impressed about on TikTok is how unbelievably smart the younger generation is. Mm -hmm. And after watching TikTok videos for long enough, I no longer fear for the future. Younger people have their shit together so well mm -hmm. and they're brilliant. They know exactly how to use this crazy tool. To spread a message. Well, yeah, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm Generation X. Like, we were the ones who kind of, we were the first ones who got on the internet in our young adulthood. Yeah. Right? So we kind of created a lot of that stuff, but we didn't really know how to use it. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm looking at these, you know, these 21-year-olds who are able to put together a fascinating 45-second documentary about a serial killer or how animals attack or mm -hmm. weird formations in the ground that make me so fascinated that I go and Google it and spend an hour going down the, the rabbit, rabbit hole. hole mm -hmm. to, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I love the most about TikTok is that it's all about creating content and sharing your knowledge and sharing your life, mm -hmm. you know, so. Do you think it also, go. it could potentially, it potentially, especially with you as a porn director, editor and all that other stuff, being on TikTok and answering these questions, almost give young people um, the, almost like the motivation to want to go out and do that kind of stuff. Cause I almost, I was like, shit. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Listen, that's, that's one of the number one. And it's funny. The number one question that I get in public comments is how did you get into porn? Mm -hmm. And the number one private direct message that I get is how do I get into porn? Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, and I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Usually what I'll tell people is, you know, people, and, and it's, it's exactly what was said to me mm -hmm. 20 years ago when I sat down with this kind of fortune teller at a, bar in Toronto when I was really <laughs> drunk. And, you know, I said, I want to make movies. And she said, so buy a camera and do start it. shooting things, yeah. right? Just do it. Mm -hmm. 
and that's what I'll tell people. I'm like, buy a camera, start shooting stuff mm -hmm. and find an audience for it. You know, mm -hmm. um, that technology, that infrastructure is all there. OnlyFans, create your movies, post, post them on OnlyFans. Yeah. You know? Yeah I, yeah. I feel like that's always, I feel like that's also another great thing about OnlyFans is that you are, you have kind of the ability to create the content and mm -hmm put it and kind of put your spin on exactly how you want to tell it. And like, perfect example, my co-host Lauren, she sent me a link to one of her videos that she had and it looked like an art house video, like the right. way that she added filters to it and the way, it, the way mm -hmm. she made it look with like this little bit of pink to it. I was like, that is amazing. And mm -hmm. we don't see enough of that. And I would love to see more of that, you know? So go fucking I do also it. I also really love the sexual freedom mm -hmm. with a lot of younger adults, yes. right? Like one of my friends that I wound up, he, so you just have to picture this. He's this, he's this young guy. He's like 18. Mm -hmm. He's total Jersey shore guy. Okay. Right. Oh God. What's his, it's his name is Greg. Greg's mind, I think is his TikTok. Okay. And you know, he's adorable and he's really funny. And he made this joke video about Rocco steel. And in the comments I said, Oh, I actually know Rocco. And he did that thing where you make a video answering somebody's comment yes. where he's like, listen, if you actually know Rocco, you need to connect the two of us. So he followed me and we wound up chatting back and forth. And I'm like, Rocco was not my best friend. I, you know, yeah. we've met each other three or four times. We chat online and mm -hmm. via text and email. We used to more at one point, but you know, I mean, we're, we're both busy with other stuff. Mm -hmm. There was a period there where we were trying to, to do some work together and I hope that happens. You know, he's, he's not performing at the moment, but mm. when he starts, I'm sure will that conversation will happen. I hope it does. I, I really, he's a sweet guy. But anyway, I, I, so I actually wound up putting the two of them in contact on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so now the two of them are like back and forth and chatting. I thought that was really cool. But Greg himself turned around and made an OnlyFans, right? And at first he was asking me like, should I make an OnlyFans? Should I make an OnlyFans? And I'm like, no, you shouldn't make an OnlyFans. You're going to finish college. <laughs> and yeah, make some I, money along the way, but like, you know. Un Uncle Jason jumped in and said, no, you're not going to make porn, <laughs> you know? And he created it and, and all he does, he just like works out naked, basically. It's all he's doing. Mm. And, you know, he's, he's making like a fucking fortune on this. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, okay, there you go. Do what yeah, you gotta okay. do, sis. Good, you know, you make the cheddar, do it. Absolutely, especially if you find, if you find something that, is going to make you happy as long as you are safe and you are in control and you're taking care of yourself then like what's st what's to stop you I just really love the fact that a lot of the younger people don't have the sexual hangups that they had when I was a teenager mm -hmm. right I'm glad that, that they're all they're all and it goes back to seeing your worth mm -hmm. right yeah. they all realize and and it's it's actually something that one of the fratmen said to me. Oh man! So I used to have a Christmas party for the fratmen mm -hmm. every year that were still in town that couldn't go back to their hometowns that were all in the south yeah. and all that. And uh, I would have them over for Christmas dinner, and my husband made this incredible spread because he's like fucking Amazing. unbelievable cook. Yeah, and I I remember turning to one of the guys and I was like, so tell me why why porn like what's up with this and he he just kind of got really serious he's like listen he said i'm i come from a poor family they couldn't afford to send me to college and he said with my marks i wasn't going to get into an ivy league school i'm not getting a scholarship and he said so my two choices were join the military and you know this was 
2006. I mean, mm. we were in the mm. midst of a pretty oh, yeah. ugly war at that point. And he said, everybody from my hometown that did that, they all come back wrong, right? His words. Yeah. And he said, and my other choice is to go work the fields. And, you know, I look at guys who've been working in the fields for 15 years and they've aged 30 years, yeah. right? And he's oh, like, yeah. I just didn't want that. And he said, the only asset that I have is my body. And somebody contacted me on Facebook and asked me if I wanted to fly out to California and jerk off on video for them. And they were going to pay me to do it. And he just said, I, who wouldn't yeah, do right? that? And, and I was like really impressed with how matter of fact he was about it. Mm -hmm. Right. He said, my only asset is my body. It's the only thing that I have going for me mm -hmm. that I can sell or I can monetize. I shouldn't even say he wasn't selling his body. He was monetizing, monetizing his body. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I actually like that better. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I, it's, it's, it's I, actually true. I feel bad that I use the word sell, but I'm, let's leave that in there because I, I do occasionally have to check myself. <laughs> it's that's because important. your body's your brand. But, Make money off well, it, it makes, yeah. and monetize but, it. Yeah. And, and all of the young people now are starting their OnlyFans. And I'm kind of blown away by that because they're like, listen, we were, we live in a world where we live in a country where the government is arguing, uh, you know, to keep the minimum wage $7 and 25 cents. Mm -hmm. Nobody can survive on that. Nope. This is 2021. Mm -hmm. It was hard to survive on that in the eighties. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and the, the government is trying to keep everybody poor and suddenly all the young people are going, no, nope, somebody wants to pay to, Watch me, you know, Jerk work off out or get pounded somebody, out. Simple stuff. Or yeah, or or you know, in a lot of cases, they're just solo, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's there's actually this really hot kind of bear guy. He's actually pretty young, but he's uh, he's from Northern California. I cannot remember what his name is. I feel really bad because I promote him on my TikTok, and you know, he's this big bear guy uh -huh. with this big beard and the whole bit. And he started an OnlyFans, and he's just like, yeah, that's my. That's my income now, and good yeah. for them. Yeah, good. Good for them. Yeah, I was. I, yeah. We keep mentioning this every episode. There's another guy that we actually had on our as our second episode. His name is Theo. He goes by Theo. Period. The period accountant on TikTok. Okay. Total nerd. Um, but he and he's got dad bod. But like the fact that like he was able to just do it and to a point where he doesn't have to work a day job anymore mm -hmm. because. He knew how to monetize himself and he is enjoying it. He's having a good time. He started exploring his sexuality because of it. So uh -huh. literally TikTok, like because of social media and because we're in this age where we're just basically at this point where we're like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's stopping you. You know, there's those hangups, but I, it's great. If, if you can find a way to make it work mm -hmm. in this economy, in this country, in this political climate, if you can find a way to make it work, don't let anybody shame you for doing it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, you got to look after yourself. Mm -hmm. oh, so absolutely. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not coming down on anyone for that. Absolutely. And listen, if I, if I was still young and hot, I probably would do it myself. <laughs> so I am neither. I remember hearing stories about that. <laughs> well, there was, a, there was a time when I was younger and attractive, but now I'm, now I'm Rumpelstiltskin, but you know what I mean, <laughs> you know? I mean, I have a body that I'm like, ah, people don't want this. And then people on Grindr, Scruff, and Adam for Adam say otherwise. I'm like, ah, I'm, I might. Who knows? Yeah, but well, we'll get there. Okay. So, Jason, we are hit. We hit the hour, man. So, oh, shit. can you believe I'm that? sorry. You can't fucking shut me up. No, I, just keep I no, no. I love this, but. I, 
here's what we're going to do. I have some rapid fire questions for you. Oh, shit. Okay. In relation to you as someone who directs porn and all this other stuff. So solo, duo, or group scene? Which one do you prefer to shoot? Duo. Duo. Okay. Strictly top and bottom, or do you like when your models are verse? I have no preference there. Okay, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes the chemistry works really great if you've got one uh-huh. slam and the other one out. And sometimes you've got fantastic chemistry with two guys that are tumbling around like clothes in a dryer. Ooh. And it you, you know, I let the I let the performers kind of lead that. If if it goes there, great. So yeah, I don't have a preference. Okay. There. Favorite setting that you have shot? So like kitchen, living room, pool, bedroom, outdoors. Which one's your bread and butter? Oh, man. Um, hmm. Because everyone knows here, I like the pool. I don't know why water's hot and it gets me all hot and bothered. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 shooting in a pool is a pain in the ass, but, mm-hmm. and it's hard to make it look good. Yeah. Shooting like by water mm-hmm. is always good. I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite. Huh. I used to really love shooting in the Titan houses that were those big, huge, gigantic mansions Ooh. over in Vista Las Palmas. Yeah. You know, that, that, yeah. Okay. Cost more money than they, you know, paid George Clooney to make a movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those, those houses were spectacular. Okay. I like shooting in those. Okay. So then your favorite place, your favorite location you've had to fly to to shoot a scene? So I don't really fly around that much. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when Titan was shooting, we, you know, other studios will be like, oh yeah, we're going to go to Prague. We're going to go to Israel. We're going to go to London. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to the Czech Republic. And, you know, we're going to, you know, Bosnia, Herzegovina. We're going to go shoot a scene in, in the Amazon rainforest. No, Ugh. like for us, exotic was like, we're going to go to, you know, Pescatero or something like that. <laughs> you know, we didn't, we, we, we didn't do a lot of stuff like that. Okay. Fratman shot a movie in Australia. Okay. That was pretty amazing. Okay. So, you know, I loved that whole experience. Okay. Yeah. So I, and we, we also shot a movie in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Hawaii was lovely. Okay. Uh, I liked, I liked that, but I actually, I, I tend to like, we've shot a few movies in Pioneer Town, which is not far from Palm Springs. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't have to fly there. Travel that far. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is that I really hate flying. Yeah. And I love driving. Okay. Right. Yeah. So in the early days, I was actually taking my motorcycle uh, to, yeah, I used to, I used to take my, my bike. Now I usually have to take more computer gear than you could possibly put on the back of a bike. Yeah. So I have to drive, mm-hmm. but I love, like, I, you know, I, I lived in LA and I worked in San Francisco mm-hmm. and I drove. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And I, I liked that. So I don't really fly and like, I haven't been on an airplane in a few years. Oh man. Last time would have been 2019. I went on vacation with Dirk Kaber and Jesse Jackman oh. and my husband. We went on a sort of couple's vacation. That was fun. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting really weird images in my head about how that might have looked. Well, we're all just friends, though. We don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's the other thing is, is that like I'm I, the performers. They're they're just yeah. friends like that. Yeah, it never goes there. Yeah, I remember you Ever. talking about that on your TikTok. So then. OK, so do you like scenes that have a setup to them or yes. do you like a. Or do you like a scene that just goes right into the making out? No, I, I, I love writing the dialogue. I love writing stories. I love writing setups. Mm -hmm. I love shooting those dialogue setups. I love, I think it makes a scene hotter if you give people a motivation to actually have sex. Okay. 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 And Joe Gage is a genius 
at that. Yes. And his setup dialogue is so good that you can kind of jerk off and come before any dick comes out of the pants. Oh, yeah, because right? it's the tension. Like it's so high. Yeah, that's that scene with Dean Flynn and Dean Flynn's son's best friend in, oh, God, what movie was that? Copperhead Canyon. I forget who played the the kid. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> that scene was so hot, and it was just the opening dialogue that was so hot that, yeah, most people don't make it past I'm, I'm already looking at so Dean Flynn, Kurt Wilde, both Hudson. That's it. That, yeah, it was Kurt Wilde. Oh, Kurt Wilde. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So then, okay. So then, moving on. What is a studio? Is there a studio that you would like to work with that you haven't done so yet? No. Because you kind of worked with like almost a good chunk of them, right? It's not even. It's not even really that. It's that like I mean the I after Titan stop producing movies i didn't think i was ever going to have a family like that mm -hmm. again yeah. and i was that's why i left porn i'm like i'm never going to have mm -hmm. a family like that yeah. again i'm never going to be part of an incredible team like that mm -hmm. again and i'm now working with trenton mm -hmm. and anthony and that's fantastic and we're all we're all friends. We were out for dinner together the other day, yeah. but I'm also like, I'm, I'm working, Trenton and I work a lot with Tony DeMarco. Mm -hmm. So we work on a lot of Raging Stallion movies. Yep. The three of us are a fantastic team. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I mean, it's, I, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy. I'm so happy with where I am right now and the people that I get to work with. And I mean, listen, I, every so often I just kind of look up and I go, one of these days, someone is going to figure out that I'm just some stupid old, you know, audio visual nerd and, and tell me you don't belong here. What are you doing here? You know, they go fuck themselves. If someone ever has the balls to say that to you, oh, I'm sure that face. nobody ever would, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, everybody yeah. has that imposter, the imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. And yeah, everybody has that. And you know, I still am sort of blown away that I, you know, I get to do this mm -hmm. and I have such a fantastic, group of people and it takes a long time to it's it's hard to build those relationships yeah so yeah no there's nobody that i i have and i mean like you were saying i've worked with just yeah you know yeah so make this maybe a little easier okay top three stars you would drop everything to work with and do a scene with no shade to everyone you've worked with that you love and enjoy Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I, I've, I've talked about how, you know, Dirk Caber is one of my best friends mm -hmm. and, and I love working with him and he and I have made some incredible magic together. So mm -hmm. that's got to be one of them. Okay. I would do anything to see Arpod again. Oh, Arpod. I just bought one of his scenes with uh, him and Rod from um, uh, On the Hunt. And that was like, oh, yeah, that man, that man, that man was magic. Oh, beautiful man. Very well. He missed. was like. He was like a big ball of joy. Uh -huh. He would walk into the building and everybody would just gravitate to him to just bask in mm -hmm. that joy that just radiated yeah. out. And, you know, I mean, I can be a bit of a, like, I don't, he would pick me up and twirl me around like a little boy. Oh. And I don't let anyone do that. <laughs> Except for him. Right? I don't even like it when people pat the top of my head. Um, <laughs> when Arpod would do that, I would giggle. Oh. 
Um, we lost a lot of good ones. Like, and it's sorry, it, I'm choking up a little no, bit. No, I, I, I didn't mean to. No, no, I didn't mean to go there. No, and, but I mean that's also like super important to realize that like that's something else that people don't realize that you know some yeah. people that everybody goes through everything, and even the people who are who are you know getting laid for money like that's, and it's not easy. So I completely understand. I'd love to work with Francois again. Ooh, Francois Sagat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite story, my first day at Titan, I showed up to the set mm -hmm. and we were all staying in the same house together. That's usually how Titan would do it is everybody would stay in the house together mm -hmm. and they were having dinner and I walked in and, and Brian Mills met me and, and that was cool. And he said, well, come have dinner. And he walked me into the room and Shay Michaels was there mm. and uh, a couple other guys that I knew you know, pretty well. And Francois was sitting there and Francois and I had met briefly, like, you know, six years before. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, you don't remember meeting me, but I, you know, whatever. And he sort of looks up at me a little terrified and he went, I don't speak English. And I went, oh, tu peux pas parler français. C'est pas quand je t'étais jeune, je peux juste à côté de Mountain New Brunswick. And he was like, oh, you speak French. Like, I speak fuck yeah. horrible, <laughs> horrible, absolutely terrible Acadian French. Because I grew up in, the, in Atlantic Canada where they speak this just horrifying version of French. Yeah. And But the fact that I was making the effort, he loved me mm -hmm. and uh and i loved him he was a sweetheart yeah. and so i he and i were kind of inseparable for that entire movie shoot that went on for like two months i mean it wow. was it was pretty grueling and that was the last that was his last movie for Titan. Mm -hmm. and or we're still in touch mm -hmm. i mean i still text message him every so often and we'll email back and forth and he's i i adore him mm -hmm. he's so he's got this unbelievable dry sense of humor mm -hmm. once you can get past that exterior yeah right he's also an absolutely brilliant artist he's an unbelievably brilliant person like mm -hmm. i mean he's got fascinating attitudes and ideas and impressions of everything mm. like he's always you know you you ask him to speak about you know french expressionist paintings and he'll be able to go on for an hour and mm -hmm. then you ask him you know, what's, what's, you know, what do you think of Lady Gaga? Oh, uh, Charlie Mendoza is actually a really good friend of mine. So he, he designed all the costumes for it, like stuff like that. Yeah. Like he's, he's that kind of guy. So I'd love to work with him again, you know? All right. One final question. And all it's right. our big question. It's the one we answer every, at the end of every episode. The question is, what does sex mean to you? I've been married for 30 years. I don't have sex. No, I'm dead sorry. That's bad. I tell that joke all the time and my husband gets pissed. I love uh, it. <laughs> so it's like, why you stop saying that? I don't know. I will tell you this. Uh -huh. Gay porn was my salvation. Yeah. When I was a closeted, terrified teenager in the middle of the AIDS 80s, living in a very remote Atlantic Canadian town, pre-internet, mm -hmm. pre any kind of lifeline or support system, uh, I found a gay porn magazine and I realized that gay men could be hot and they could enjoy sex and they could be proud and they could be funny mm -hmm. and they could be cool. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, that, that was, that was where I realized that everything was going to be okay. There was somewhere out there, there was a world for me. Ooh. So that I, I, that. I just, I just had to go find it. What does sex mean to me? 
I think that sex can be a really wonderful expression of love between two people. Mm -hmm. I think it can also be a fun way for a couple of buddies to pass a few minutes, (laughs) you know, during the halftime show. I think that, you know, we've got these interlocking bodies and we should interlock them. I stole that line from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, my greatest, my favorite television (laughs) show of all time. I think sex can just be whatever we want it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it it can be recreational. It can be uh, a bonding experience. And it it can be just an expression of who we are. Well, Jason... Thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm I'm so glad hope, that we. Found- I hope I didn't make an ass of myself. What you never oh. no. <laughs> so if you could do us a huge favor, go ahead and whore yourself out. Where can people find you on social media? So you can find my OnlyFans at jasonmark.com. Remember, Jason Mark is spelled with a U, mm-hmm. J-A-S-U-N-M-A-R-K. It's, you're not going to see a whole lot of me on there, but you'll see uh, a lot of behind the scenes and making of. If you want to see how a porn movie is made, then mm. check it out. Check trailertrashboys.com. Yes. That's, that's kind of my, well, it's not my baby. It's our baby. Trenton came up with that idea and he he asked me if, you know, I wanted to be part of it. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I, this is, I, I lived this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I grew up right here. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was pretty amazing. My TikTok is Jason Mark, also known as Shut Up Jason. My YouTube <laughs> is jasonmark.com, like Jason Mark, D-O-T-C-O-M. Okay. Is my YouTube. My Twitter is Jason Mark X. And if you want to follow me on Twitter without seeing pictures of cocks, like you want to actually get like a work safe version, <laughs> it's that other Jason. Oh, okay. So as yeah. always, the links are going to be in the show description down okay. below. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to another exciting episode of Coming and Other Stuff You Should Know. I am your favorite Uncle Forrest. I am Jason Mark, the mechanic that is going to talk you. I know that's bad. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm, I... <laughs> I'm a very bad influence. Just put it that way. (laughs) I am totally okay with that. All right. There we go. And always remember to stay open. Stay curious. And stay Stay coming. coming. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another exciting episode of Coming and Other Stuff You Should Know. Have a question or topic suggestion we should cover? Send an email to comingpod at gmail.com. That's C-U-M-M-I-N-G-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Our official Instagram is at coming and other stuff. Come again soon.